You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at discounttire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount time. Let's get you taken care of. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Welcome along to a State of Mind Sell the Jerseys, the podcast that takes a look at football kits, football culture and everything else in between. 
from the first strip given to you as a child to the one that you left behind at the goals at Five Asides two years ago, we all have football kits that stand out in our mind. What is it that these pieces of fabric managed to hold over us and why did they excite us so? In this series of podcasts, we will take a closer look at iconic kits, iconic players and iconic moments and asking who wore it well and who was the empty jersey. As well as this, we will be looking at the ways in which the fabric of football shirts are worn into the very fabric of society where politics are football and often football is politics. My name is Paul Sheridan and we are kicking off episode one. And joining me today on the podcast is John Paul Jameson of Boy Stuff and much other uh, associations with Celtic and Celtic memorabilia. Um, JP, welcome along to our debut show. Thank you very much, Paul. Lovely to be here. I've also done many other things. I would have preferred a grander introduction but I'll take that. Uh, JP, today one of the, the things that we're going to talk about, their main focus of our subject is going to be the Celtic Centenary Kit of 1987-88-89 season. I think, close to your heart. Yeah, it's still one of our best. I think that diamond pattern, we'll talk about that but we've even got it on the away strip in a much bigger form. It's just iconic. The year's iconic, the season's iconic. It's, it's something that myself, you know, I, I hark back to in my mind. Um, and it's definitely true and one of the things that we're, we will speak about is how iconic the team, the team are the players and the moments that happened in that season but we'll go back a wee bit in time JP to 1979 where it seems to be a real turning point in the mm. world of football kits and new technologies and materials are coming through Hitachi appears for instance on Liverpool as their sponsor and Scotland begin to display the names of players on the back of their shirts just as Electronica appears and flare trousers say goodbye um, there is a huge change as well in how football kits are marketed at people mm. but would this would you say this would it be about the time that football kits become more commonplace yeah I, I would say so I, th I think there was more of a kids market early 70s that had started to kick off but um, as I've seen them there's a famous photo of Newcastle fans some guys adults in their 30s on terrace and wish strips and I think that really is where it took off um, mid to late 70s in terms of replica kits. I'm sure we've all seen pictures in the 60s of some wee granny that's knitted a green and white hoop jumper and, you know, a boy's at the back playing. And, but it's not the same than getting an official club product that, that matches what you see your heroes wear. It, uh, do you know one of the things I love is the the Celtic the T-shirt the boys wearing in, in Lisbon and it just says on it Jock Steen just written a pen oh. things like that just amazing my dad spoke about when he was wee and he put a jumper on a green jumper and white he had a shirt underneath and I feel from a distance it looked like he might be wearing a Hibs kit <laughs> uh, which nobody had nobody would have had back in those days um, this is a podcast that looks at the ways in which football is such an important part of society um, and also if you have ever drawn your new away top with a packet highlighter pens than this podcast for you. If you've ever lost sleep in a relegation battle in football manager or spent evenings in the pub picking your team of the 80s, then stick your earbuds in. And if you've ever asked to have Pierre Van Hoydonk in the back of your shirt but ended up with Andreas Tom to save cash, then stick your earbuds in and take your place in the stand for a state of mind, sell the jerseys. It is 1987. Hulk Hogan has just slammed Andre the Giant in front of 93,000 fans at the Pontiac Silverdome. Uh, the Simpsons have appeared on the Tracy Ullman show in America and a young trench coat wearing teenager called Rick Astley has debuted in the charts with Never Gonna Give You Up. At the same time, the famous Glasgow Celtic are about to kick off the new season in a new home kit and sporting a brand new badge. This is the story of the Glasgow Celtic centenary year strip. 
Um, the close season of 86-87 season begins with the, or ends with the dismissal of Davy Hay um, and an exodus of star players leaving the club in June and July. Davy Proven retires due to ill health. Danny McGrain left in a free to Hamilton. Myrtle McLeod to Borussia Dortmund. Uh, Peter Latchford to Clyde. Um, Celtic also, GP at this point, have essentially sold a strike force. Yeah, Brian McClare, um that was his last game, I think it was at Parkhead, 2-1 against Falkirk, scored a penalty. McAnally, who went on a great career, when you, you look at it. And of course... Yes, Morris, uh, who's moved on to Nantes. Uh, it really is a, looks like a huge rebuilding job at this point. I think if we were older now and the way we analyse it and you, you go into such an important season to have lost what we lost, the experience of McGrain. I know we played a year with Hamilton then that was it. Um, McLeod, who had a great career in Germany, still had plenty of years in them, um, scored against us in UEFA Cup that season. Um, and obviously, no matter what you think him, our, our front line. Um, yeah. I think we'd, what who we left with? Left with Mark McGee. Sleepless nights, I think, would ensue. Oh, Definitely. yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the club into May and June arrived Billy Stark from Aberdeen defender Chris Morris Andy Walker comes from Motherwell and of course at the helm is Billy McNeil who is looking to rebuild and emulate the success of his first career in charge and later on Stephen Murray arrives from Nottingham Forest Charlie Christie the father of current player Ryan Christie comes from Inverness Thistle um, and November sees the arrival of Frank McAvery for a club record fee of 750000 and finally Super Joe Joe Miller of Aberdeen. But one of the, the, the things that's vital in the success of this GP is also the arrival of Mick McCarthy, who was yeah. signed by Hay just before he leaves. Do you know, I didn't know that. I thought that would have been a Billy McNeil link from when he was Man City boss. They had worked together as well yeah, prior, prior to I, I that. I didn't know that. I thought that was a McNeil signing. Um, I know that at this point, McNeil obviously wants everything to hit the ground running. I said yeah. they have to hit the ground running as they enter into their the 100th anniversary, the 100 years as a club mm. in 87. Um, and for this kit, for this strip, sorry, of this season is, is Celtic release a brand new strip with a brand new badge. And whenever you see this kit, GP, the centenary year strip, what does it what does it bring up to you? Um, sunshine. Um, I'm thinking Scottish Cup finals. Um, it brings up, I mean, my first old firm game uh, was Billy Stark, the 1-0 game in 87. And I'm, um, from memory, Billy Stark was slated. He was old. In those days, 32. 32 is nothing now. And there he was, um, I think, late August. And and it brings up who I think is the greatest Celtic sell ever, Roy Aitken. Um, just memories of of winning, of tough men, of guys who could do a job, who a team where Celtic meant something to every one of them rather than their job. Um I mean that that strip to me is it's Christmas as well. It's getting that strip and my strip came in boxes, Paul. Um umbral boxes. And I got all three kits, including the European one, um, and the goalkeeping, that's four. T to me it's just it it's a it's a time where it's, it's a happy place. It's a happy place. Um certainly there's there's an association of success with that that strip that obviously Celtic go through the 8-7-8-8 campaign win the league and cup double the year after 8-8-9 they're not successful in the league but they win the Scottish Cup um, we'll have a wee look at the, the strip just now we'll, we'll take a wee look at the, the kind of design of it all together it's an umbral snap 
snap button up round neck I think is the, the technical term for it which was used on a few kits that season um, such as Aberdeen's uh, home kit and Chelsea's away strip um, at that, this point there's a kind of change in England football strips too. England kit as well yeah. yeah but at this point there's a, a kind of change in the way football strips are manufactured uh, in terms of technologies that are coming through and obviously this is an umbral one it's quite traditional it's umbro style well we'll see across in adidas in germany beginning to push out the boat with these the faded chevron designs that mm. will come in the european championships but um you know this is a, a the umbro kit is very much um you know it, it's really a, an iconic strip but it's also an iconic checker pattern that's part of the, the the top this kind of checkerboard idea that's going through the top it's quite safe though in some ways you know umbro aren't going too mental they're very traditionalist with their mm. style but it's a real classy strip for, for that era and it's different it's the, the weight's a bit heavier it's a bit baggier um, it, it, it was stretchable though that's something I can certainly remember because I certainly did the hemline in a few times in terms of pulling out the, the rough tackles the in the park absolutely but um, you, you say it's safe but it's something that we all hop back to when we want a kit and we moan about I, it we yeah. say the Lisbon Lions yeah. in Centenary it's iconic. It's up in that that uh, that the, the echelon of the top yeah. loot strips, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, on it, there's six green hoops there, uh, and uh, five white ones. I know it's a bit of a boring there, but it's just the uh, oh, sorry, five hoops and six green white. Is that really as important? Do we see when we, when we dissect a Celtic top? Are we really looking at it? I'm thinking maybe overanalyzing it for this podcast. Whereas when you just look at it as a thing of beauty, that's I, I look at it. Isn't to it? me, it's art. Yes. To me, that is something I want to wear. It's fashion. It's art. It's iconic it's what you know when you meet a foreign person you say oh Celtic it's the strip they talk about it's iconic and that certainly stands out for me one of the things that's such a big deal about it is the the change to the special badge that was made for that season mm-hmm. that's um, that harks back to Celtic's origins as a club the the, the Celtic cross that appears in the, on the first strip is then used at this point here a hundred years later how important do you think it is for this stuff happened that they commemorate it with a special badge rather than just you know, at the time as a kid Paul for me I, I sort of got it but it didn't matter to me it's when I look back on it now with sense of pride like the 125th third kit um, with the tenants sort of whited out and all the rest these wee nice touches these are the things or even a third kit right now harking back to the big shamrock sort of strip and the almost like the foundation badge, uh, charity foundation badge. It's these sort of things now as a molder, but at the time, it was like, well, I don't get that. And I got the away kit as well, but mum had to, you could get the old the centenary badges. Mum had to sew that on it in my away kit at the time. because oh, did you? Yeah, because I, I didn't get why my badges didn't line up, Paul. Um, See, this is a, a donated one from a, a, a friend's big brother one night, uh, which I was delighted to have. The, the, actually, when you talk about the, the badge reappearing, it reappears also in the back of the Seville kit as well, in the, just yep. behind the neck. Um, it's a it's a really iconic kit. The shorts as well, green piping down the sides, the badge there, the, the, the bar across it as well, and it's tremendous as well. When you know you think of Celtic and over the years and the numbers in the shorts, and that's mm. where people were identified with the numbers in the shorts. That they do though have. One occasion with Celtic are wearing the numbers in the back of the strip, and that's mm. whenever Celtic play against Borussia Dortmund. Yeah, uh, well, any European game, that was a regulation, so yeah, I remember the game well. Uh, and of course, a visit back to Parkhead from, from Murdo McLeod. Yeah, that's and, correct. And it's, you know, it's a, the irony of you know, when a player goes to come back to haunt you, or, you know, this is something that you kind of, you've 
Mordor, who'd been such a great servant, returns to Parkhead and, and the, with his new team. Celtic kicking off the 87-88 season in style in, in the new home kit and also mm. uh, they're going to revisit the away strip, which is really the, uh, the kit that had been used previously in the 86-87 season mm. and is now coming back to have a, a, a run out as the away kit for this season with a changed badge yep. and changes to the sponsor as well in terms of the sizing and the colours that are on it. Well, I remember seeing the, the home kit. The first time I saw it, Paul, was a pre-season friendly against Arsenal and we get absolutely gubbed 5-1. And Charlie Nicholas played in that game. Charlie Nicholas played. Oh, Narch Deacon dropped his kicks to the, the Celtic end. I can't mind why, but he did. That's one of those memories of a seven-year-old and I was like, oh, this is crap. 5-1 against Arsenal. See it in the, the terms of the, the, the way kit and the home kit. They're very mm. different. It's a real change in Umbro's Mm. manufacturing style as well and the, the away kit is very much of a, of the early 80s where it's tighter heavier, it's heavier. Yep. when I play with it at five sides I'm really sweaty mm. by the end of it um, and of this kind of this tactile uh, or tactile sorry is the name of the pattern that this was actually they put the, the big diamonds to it to try and stop people from, from making fakes and making right. knockoffs. but um, this also has a change in the badge which mm. comes out in the in 88, 88 yeah we, we start the one you've got on we start against Morton uh, I think it was at 4-0 Walker scored a couple um, we wore that we wore that all the way through 87 um, and then we played Hibs I think it was in February and we come now uh, a green sponsor which is larger and the centenary badge um, which I think made the top look absolutely cracking do you know it's funny because at the end of 1988 obviously that's the end of the centenary year and Celtic or stop using this one mm. and then comes the the one that's called the Space Invader yeah. sometimes which is a real iconic kit but it's an explosion of Umbro with their new direction of yeah. where they're going to be going um, uh, you know uh, I really understand one of, the, one of the things also that happens with Umbro is they have a huge influx in America because the shorts become really really popular and you get these kids who've never played soccer in their life that are kicking about wearing Umbro football yep. shorts uh, and the, a massive hit the Umbro end up getting overtaken by Nike and Nike buy into them but if you ever see some of the, the kits of the Umbro shorts I didn't realise this was such a big a big deal Oh, they, they were holiday shorts for me Paul that's it that, that's you know I think anyone of our sort of generation they've got some sort of snap I've been in holiday they were wearing two tone Umbro two tone Umbros and, but obviously these kids have moved from uh, the, the 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 hills of Malibu. I don't think they've lasted five minutes playing in a, a red ash pitch. With no, not a chance. Not a chance. Even worse, a black ash ash pitch. Oh, the pain, um, and that's one of the things as well that we you know, we're looking at this in the in the podcast. I'm actually going to come into that in a wee second because we're going to talk a bit about the goalie top oh, from yes. this era. Yep. Uh, Pat Bonner in the goals, and this is a goalie top that is heavy and it's padded and it's needed for the pitches of. Scotland, yep. freezing cold, Sunday mornings, Saturday mornings, you know, ice, all conditions. Ha, you know, this is a, an iconic kit. On the goalie top, JP, mm -hmm. it is a heavy, thick, padded number yep. uh, that is needed for the freezing cold, hard ground conditions of Scotland uh, back in those days. What's your thoughts about the goalie top? Um, well, the grey one was the one that was commercially available, so that's what everyone got. Um, the shoulder pads, as you said, the, the arm pads, and it had the wee number one all the way shining through it. The one you wanted was the gold one. That was, I mean, that's a beautiful, iconic thing 
And I told you a story about how I was one of the few people to get the gold ah, ones. Lucky man. Not commercially available. My mum hounded the people uh, in the Celtic shop in Dundas Street and they eventually got 100 into the shop and I got one. And as I said, no one was impressed because it's a keeper's kit. No one gives a flying monkeys. But I loved it. Um, I, I, I think it's a beautiful kit. But that season, uh, Packy got injured early and it was Alan McKnight for me. He sort of started the season. And ended it. Um, Scottish Cup was Alan McKnight. Start of the season, the two all game at Ibrox was Alan McKnight. Um, I, p- I picture him in it more. I don't know why, Paul. It's, Pat had, had issues with Sciatica. Mm. Pat's obviously going to be later on a big important player when it goes to the Euros. But yeah, there's this season, it's essential to go through four keepers in this top. Maybe more. There's McKnight, there's, the, there's Bonner, and then the following season, Alan you've Ruff. got Ruff and Andrews as well, mm. all with the strip. I did Murdoch wear it? I'm, I'm not too sure. I need to look into that Andy one as well. Murdoch. I can check it out. Maybe come back to it on, uh, on social media later on. We can verify it. I think Hamish McAlpine might have got a trial game in it as well. Is that right? I think so, yeah. Um, it's it's a really... It's interesting how much we associate that with, with Pat Bonner, but really, it's Pat didn't figure in it for the full season. No. Um, one of the things I'd like to kind of bring up here when I was looking into this kit, this type of... I mean, he's a big part. Is a, there's also a lot of things that are associated with the Celtic in that season that are kind of memorabilia. Mm. And one of the things is the wee sports stars, which are a set of figures. And obviously we've got Big Pat Bonner on the front cover of the sports stars uh, figure. However, the kit that he's got on is a, is a tip I've never seen before, this kind of uh, half and half green, but I thought it looked a belter. I, I have seen it before, and I think it's from about 84, 85, Paul. And they're still packaging it out. And they're still packaging it out, is that? that? But they've not done that with Paul McStay. They've, they've put him in the right kit, have they not? Uh, yeah, there's also ones that are available from beforehand. Right, OK. Celtic go into a, a huge season and they, what they want to do is try to overtake Rangers who have had a successful year the year before. Um, this is the, the the change of Celtic into a, iconic games and iconic matches. Um, and one of these things is that Celtic are... a uh, at Ibrox and the incident happens where um, players are sent off namely Chris Woods Frank McAvaney um, this is a, a, a huge moment in, in the football where do you see association of Celtic being successful in this kit what do you what games stand out to you what are the moments that stand out to you of 8, 7, 8, 8 season um, well my, my first uh, old firm game at Ibrox my dad stupidly took me to the enclosure and it was that game, 2-0. Now, I don't know if I can remember it or whether I've just pieced it together from television, but it's Peter Grant trying to claim that second that's an own goal and blessing himself. I went on holiday with my Celtic strip down to St Ives and we had a wee football tournament in 88 in the summer. As soon as I scored a goal, I was blessing myself and we got friendly with a family in Liverpool. And the, the dad said, why, why is JP doing that? So I always following Peter fucking Grant. <laughs> <laughs> and because I'm from Chapel Hall originally, Peter Grant lived up the same street as my gran in Gibbs Street. Uh-huh. So I sort of had a love-hate thing with Peter. Um, but the victories, it, it was that, it was the New Year game. Um, and it was definitely the 2-1 at Ibrox in March. Uh, with the mixed day goal, the Walker goal, Henry Smith, Scottish Cup semi-final. Um, and the Scottish Cup final, I mean, Scottish Cup finals in those days, you couldn't have one unless the sun was beaming down, it was roasting, 
and that's Sean, that strip Sean even, um, in days like that. But they were just good, good days. Celtic were a good, good team, and then the strip matched the team for me. I'm actually going to put this into the context of the 88 Cup final, and this is interesting because one of the images that I remember vividly as a child is Margaret Thatcher presenting Roy Aitken with the cup. Yes. Um, and this is set to the backdrop with the minor strikes in mass unemployment, Thatcherism in the 1980s. And the SFA have decided in their, their wisdom to invite Margaret Thatcher up, who is not too far off from unleashing the toll, the poll tax plot in, in Scotland, which is going to imprison a lot of people from working class communities and uh, people who are going to be protesting against it. And, you know, it's she'd previously the year before, Thatcher had left a, a party conference in Perth to attend the FA Cup final. And what it looked like was that the SFA decided to try to put the Scottish Cup final on the same pedestal by inviting someone of grand importance to so invite Prime Minister at the time. Um, you have also an issue here where there is uh, trade unions turning up outside the game. People are brandishing red cards towards Thatcher. People are outwardly booing him. And then you have Mick McCarthy, who we, we spoke about earlier on, the son of a minor, uh, refusing to shake hands with her at the, when she's presented to players the day before. Um, this is a, a man who's come from a working class community where minors have been attacked and demonised by the media not too long after the Battle of Orgreave in South Yorkshire. Um, and Mick had come through the ranks at Barnsley. And this is a, not just an empty gesture, I feel, by McCarthy, but I feel it's like him taking a stand as a representative mm. of his entire community. Oh, no, absolutely. And it's, and it's kind of tied into that season. What's your thoughts on that? No, absolutely. I think um, I can remember the protests. I can remember Roy... Well, not at the time, obviously. I've, I've watched it since, you know, wiping his hand and thinking, why are you doing that, Roy? Um, but in terms of Mike Sand, that that's someone who's got principles. That's someone who who does remember. Um, and I wish more people had it in Scotland these days and remember what the Tories did to us um, rather than vote for them. Um, you know, Mike McCarthy's good in my book. Um it's now later on when you look at it through different eyes, and different mm. contexts, and you understand just how how big a deal it must have been. Yeah, well, well. My, uncle, my uncle worked at Ravenscraig. He lost his job. That industry was gone. There was nothing. Ravenscraig lay empty for tens and tens of years. You know, there's a lot of housing on it now, but there's still slaves and nothing. Yeah, nothing's replaced that. There's not been enough expenditure. There's not been enough investment in people, and that legacy of what the Tories did, what Thatcher did. What that government did is still evident in Lanarkshire, uh, especially bits of Paisley, um, everywhere, you know, um, Ayrshire. It's, it's, the legacy of it is still ongoing. It's it's a current issue still. Yeah. Do you, do you see this as a spectacular own goal by the SFA at the time, looking back? Well, I think they had the Duchess of Kent the year after. Um, I think it was the SFA, it was the grandstanding. Aye. I don't think they gave a flying monkeys about anyone's thoughts. These were the early prawn sandwich people having their, their meal with their, their football game. They want they wanted to start. Yeah. Football's definitely going to move in the next few years from being sort of in some instances demonised as we move in the 90s mm. and move into the 
the working class communities and it's going to become much more of the the, the prawn sandwich brigade and multi-millionaire owners and different things that are, are going to change mm. how football is watched and how it's consumed. At this point, very much as a, a definite them and us, you know, divide between the football fans and the authorities. And we're going to take a wee look at that as, as time goes on as well. Um, obviously, what's your thoughts in the, in the Scottish Cup final? You remember it well, vividly. Uh, is it one of the real highs as a Celtic fan to have completed a League and Cup double at that point when you... Uh, as a as an eight year old as you were at the time, just did you take in the magnitude of how big it was? Yeah, I, everyone that you went to games with, whether it was my dad going in the pub and we had to go in the lounge because I was there because we were only place that let you in. Everyone you talked to, it was the centenary year. Everyone who was older who knew about it realised the importance. Watching the the eighty eight history of Celtic video, you know, oh, it's so it's got the centenary theme. It's Going to see the Centenary Cup game against Cruzeiro, Bella Horizonte or whoever it was, the 4-2 game. Centenary was sort of imprinted on your mind. Now, whether I understood it at the time as much, but for me, the game it maybe outshines the the Scottish Cup final is the 3-0 against Dundee. I think we could have won the league the week earlier against Hearts at Tynecastle because they finished second that league and we lost... 2-1, I think Mark McGee or Walker scored, I think. Walker did score, but I think that was in the game earlier at Tynecastle. McGee scored a consolation goal, lost 2-1. What a place to do it. Parkhead, people round the ash track. Yeah. But how many were in there, we'll never officially know. Do you know, whenever you look back on, on it and you see what happened a year later in Hillsborough, mm. that sort of thing will never happen again in football where fans are just... You know, it's, it's, it's celebratory. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas. Visit cox.com slash internet for details. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. As it was on that occasion, um, it's there's a real uh, feelings of just elation as Celtic do it and they clinch it at home. Mm. The fans are singing happy birthday, dear Celtic. Uh, you know, there's there's a feeling, a really good feeling in the air. And there's a nice touch as well in the game after when we get presented the trophy, which was strangely before the match against Dunfermline with the Dunfermline fans saying happy birthday Celtic, congratulations. And they were getting relegated that season. You know, there was nice touches like that. Mm. Um, what about you though? What, what's your game my, I remember my cup final day is my first communion on that day and going back with my uncles and to our house to watch the game uh, wearing a take my wee, my wee red sash type yeah. thing off getting changed and watching the football 
uh, my uncle Jared, my uncle uh, John, my dad just jumping on top of each other. The goal scored. I got a skateboard that day. And I was out. The I was going to say what what a day because it's a lucrative day, isn't yeah. it? You I, got no, a lot of money and presents <laughs> and everything else. It's it was uh, ideal. I remember. Um, just you know everything around it my uncle Jim came over from America my mum's my uncle he was over from America that summer and going to the Celtic shop in Dundas Street and him getting the NTSC video of the 100 year anniversary the official history mm-hmm. and I was watching the PAL version in the house and I had the Celtic top the centenary kit top and the bottoms I had just a pair of white socks on uh, my wee girl now has my centenary year strip but one of the things that I remember about that year as well was the things like the will to win the book yeah uh, just and the uh, you know as time went on and you were into the 90s you would fall back in that video so often yeah and certainly in Glasgow you know just yeah. well, it you was just tremendous I just loved William McIlvenny talk Celtic had played many games that day just I just loved <laughs> all you know I could burst into that any time but on the other side the flip side of that is as we move in as highs of the the, the, the highs of the season of 87, 88 where they were equally matched by a disappointing 88, 89 season yeah. um, with the 5-1, 4-1 losses to Rangers at Ibrox and kind of There was a 3-1 win Yes, of course, but I think, do you feel as though d- does that do enough to change No, 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 I there? think um, the 5-1 and 4-1 the, I think we got the mango, we scored first uh, in those games I think That's right, McAvenny, yeah. then Chris Morris Yeah um, and five ones remembered, obviously, for Ian Andrews. Yeah. Do you feel his career can be wrongly judged on that game? No. No, not, not his Celtic career, Paul. I mean, he had a absolutely fine sort of middle-of-the-road career down south with Southampton, Leicester yeah. and a few others. Yeah. He did OK. Um, but that mop of hair, that stupid effing face, Panini stick-alike, uh, just... Just gone. Uh, you know... It's it, it's a shame whenever that's what you're associated with that, but at the same time, um, you know your time at Celtic, whether you can be a real winner or you can be in a side that's less successful, and she's just happened to be at the, the tail end of a five-one defeat. Yeah, I, I think that when he drops, so that's a lot of the goals were his fault. When you look back at Adam, there was one certainly with the crossy drops and another questionable bit. It didn't make us lose that day. We were, we were awful. And obviously we had a lot, there was a lot of murmurings. McAvenny went away back down to London. Um, Walker was injured quite a lot of that season as well after 30-odd goals the season before. Um trying to think of who else. I was playing Lex Bailey more and more for some reason, so I don't know. Big Mick was injured, I can't recall, or Roy... Um, we just didn't have the, the squad. Yeah, the eight seventy eight team isn't there together that long at the other side. Mm. You know, they they start to disappear over the next two years or so mm. um, as Rangers become stronger and stronger with much more investment and everything mm. else that's kind of going on. Um, we have a seven one win against St Mirren. I need to apologise to my friend Paul Goody because on the way home in the bus joining in with the other boys who he was a St Mun fan he was a St Mun fan Luddingston and other fans joined in Stevie Chalmers son scored that game, that game for St Mun is that right is yeah that, Paul Chalmers Paul Chalmers yes yep 7-1 yep um, and Callum Ruff played that game and goals won the few he played, the few he's played. He yep. was, I, I like Ruffy as a, as a Scott player coming to the kind of end of his legendary oh, yeah. career at Celtic yeah absolutely um, but another wearer of the of the goalie top yep 
Um, Celtic also uh, have two big matches um, in that year. One against Liverpool in the Dubai Super Cup, played in Dubai. This is where... Scottish and English champions are playing against each other with English clubs having been banned from European competition. Um, and then on the 30th of April, there's a, a, a huge watershed moment in, in football um, yeah. that characterises, I think, and defines a lot of the, the changes that are going to be made. And it's the, the, the Hillsborough disaster. Yep. Um, and the national sport of football had already been suffering over the years as a result of uh, fan violence, etc. But this is not about fan violence. But the, it's another. It's a huge market. I think it's one of the most real watershed moments in in world football. That, um, that is so cataclysmic. And you think of the, the amount of different things that were happening in the eighties. Mm. Uh, the the things that were going on into the fans falling house, but where fans were being blamed. Uh, and there's this idea of a blame culture that's been created and 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 perpetrated by football and uh, by sorry the the, the media. In government and and there's obviously the huge inquest that goes into Hillsborough. Um, I remember Celtic then playing Liverpool mm. weeks after or, or two weeks after the Hillsborough disaster happened in the first game. I game back, yeah. um, and the, the the Celtic strip and that kind of friendship that was there at the time mm. uh, with with the Liverpool side. Um, you know, it's a there's a real sombre moment and everything else in those as you talked about earlier on the fans spilling out the pitch from at Parkhead the year before mm. you know whenever this is now a year later and and the, the happiness and the, the enjoyment of that is, is completely gone yeah. uh, for a long time it stopped a lot of people going back to football in general as well but then it then puts a huge spotlight on on fan safety and it puts a spotlight on um, on many things in football mm. Um What's what you know? What do you remember? I remember watching it happening as it appeared on the TV, uh, and and do you mean the initial disaster? The initial disaster. I was at my friend uh, Craig's house, and um, we were playing, and his mum said something. He had a wee brother, Jamie, and his mum said, oh, "Look at this!" And seven minutes past three, whenever it was, uh, I think it was around that time, and we were playing Hibs in the Scottish Cup uh, semi-final the day after. I think Rangers were playing St Johnston the other semi um, on that day. So I remember, I remember seeing it. I remember, I couldn't believe it that people, even then, could go to football and not come back. Um, but in terms of the game and when we did play Liverpool, we played the day before, and I think we won one 0 Mark McGee, and I'd, just stupid childhood memories that I didn't realise the important of being there at that game uh, we were sitting in the main stand then uh, me and my dad um, didn't realise that you could sort of feel it but in no way did I realise the importance what actually peed me off a bit was the fact that we lost 4-0 I know it doesn't matter now it never mattered but as a 9 year old then that that killed me I was like but nobody ever says we played the day before we were tired you know it, it, it's nothing to do with football. Mm -hmm. It's for getting guys back in, getting Liverpool players in front, fans again playing. These were the real issues. But as a child, you know, it's blinded and stupidity. But I'm, I, it's something I look back on, and I'm proud that we did. We did it. Something that I'm glad Liverpool appreciate, and they do to this day. And it's something that I think. Glasgow can be proud of as well. It's something that it should never have taken what happened to to learn a lesson like that. 
it's a, it's a sombering and a sober a sobering thought and a sobering moment as well. I always remember um, seeing a, a painting. It was a wee a wee boy in a Celtic kit and the eighty eight kit, and a wee boy in a Liverpool strip having a a minute silence as the two of them stand next to a ball. It's wee paint, just wee two wee boys mm-hmm. and a football. And I think it I think it hangs up at Parkhead somewhere. Um, maybe somebody can point me to it. But it's a I always just remember how um, when I looked at that as a as a man and see back I see you know that could have been us mm-hmm. as a child. That's that's the the kind of the the way it is and the impact it kind of has on you. Um, this will take a, a gargantuan effort to rebuild football, rebuild the trust that exists mm. um, between the authorities, between fans, and it you know it goes right through for a number of years till. It, and I don't think even though it's been resolved, it's never it'll never be resolved in people's hearts really. Mm. Um, but it's one of those things that people move on from and have to build up and and, and have to uh, to take to the for the, themselves to bring themselves into a, you know, our acceptance of where we are now is, is really characterised by what's happened then. Mm. And it's so sad. Um, back to, to Celtic at this point in this time. Celtic have the opportunity for silverware in the 89 Cup final um, where we are facing Rangers. Yep. Uh, and it's a Joe Miller goal. Yep. Is the, the solitary goal of that day. Um, what's your... Your memories and your thoughts well on that. I was at the game uh, my dad asked me do you want to go to the toilet John Paul I was like no I don't need it no I don't need it dad I need to go to the toilet we were in the north terrace and just right near to the split segregation with the Rangers fans so it was a pain in the arse getting out of that and trying to get back in uh, dad takes me to the toilet we score he's in a mid day what are you doing, Dad? I know, I know. But then again, the thing, watching it back and the videos and that, there's a wee bit where Joe Miller scores and he, when he's blowing the kisses, there's a mustachioed policeman yeah. who turns around gives the biggest cheeser out and you're like, go on, my yeah. um, I, I remember trying to sort of... Joe Miller, they, when he gets he's celebrating, he gets pulled down, doesn't he? Aye. He's running. He gets pulled down. Um, and they obviously go on about that throw-in but Throw in our bloody half almost. Aye, I feel Lob like the ball up, header, we won a header. Old Gary Stevens needs to do is pass it back to his keeper. Um, there's a. It ends at 89 with this last appearance of the kit mm. on the pitch in Celtic Happy. I remember getting Shoot Magazine and the Joe Miller's in the front cover. Uh, and I haven't seen Joe Miller speak about it. You know, he's, he's tremendous when, he's, when he talks about his memories of that day as well. Um, but this is a. We associate this kit with an association of success at Parkhead mm. um, that will not be seen. But and it's quite a, I feel it's a wee bit bittersweet this this time because we'll never see that success again. And when you look back for the next six years or so, it's memories of that '89 and '88. Mm. Um, is this team the '87, '88 team, the '88, '89 team, particularly the double winning side? Are they comparable to the Lions? Are they comparable to the Seville team? Where do you think they fit in the echelons of Celtic history? The for the importance of the year in terms of knowingly going into a year, because obviously we didn't know what was going to happen in '67. Then I, I would say it's up there. Um, what I think would surpass it is obviously we're going in knowingly this year, hopefully to ten. Um, <laughs> Whether that happens or not, it's a different story. But in terms of knowingly trying to achieve something during the most important years of your seasons in your existence, then yeah. But you could argue that in 38, um, we won the Empire Exhibition. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Scottish Cup as well. You know, that's 50 years. You could say in 67, well, you know, he takes 6th of November, 87, when we first met, formed the club. That's 80 years. There's something about Celtic and whether it's 38, whether it's 88, whether it's 125th in 2012, beating Barca, last 16 again, winning the league. There's something about us and, and dates that make it more romantic. Um, and as Billy McNeil says in that, that video we heart back to, that there is a fairy tale Aye. about the club. There is something about the sort of Cinderella who's trodden on and, you know, comes good in the end. And, and although, you know, it kills us at the time when we watch it, I don't think we'd have it any other way, you know, yeah. for that moment of of passion and success. So, yeah, I would say, I mean, they're, they're not the Lions. They're not as good as the team from Seville, not as good as the Invincible team. But, yeah, they had a lot of pressure on. And especially when we went out in the Skull Cup against Aberdeen up at Pataudry, then these guys had to, had to step up and they did. Yeah, great leaders. It's interesting you talk about the Cinderella aspect of it all. Um... Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. This week on the Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct to consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. This is really almost like a metaphor for a hundred years, you know, of the Irish diaspora in Scotland mm. and in Britain as well. And Celtic is this kind of beacon of success at this point. Uh, the you know, raised or created for the to feed the poor. They then go and uh, win the European Cup. They then win the, the League and Cup double in their hundred year anniversary. Certainly, a huge amount of, of pride that the people from who you know and. Beforehand, we've not had a lot of things to really be proud of their Irish heritage and Irish roots, etc. Um, but now we're into a, a second and third generation of mm. the Irish are living in Scotland around the 89 season. Um, and I think it kind of the Celtic kit that we start to see, not just at Parkhead, but you start to see it elsewhere as well. Oh, yeah. I turn up in football pitches or in football games, a wee Celtic top in the crowd, or a, I see it quite a lot in. Uh, at the, in the Pogues concerts from mm -hmm. that time whenever you're talking about adults not really wearing kits you start to see them yep. wee pockets again with a leather jacket well, well you, you watch ma point. Match the Day from that era Arsenal Man United you you could see 10 20 Liverpool as well Celtic tops so it's the Irish moving over there and I think it, it was probably the height of Celtic in terms of Irish fans spreading the word um, because a lot these days, and it's easier to do, you know, are taken over by the romance of 
um, the English Premiership and money. But going back to, I mean, Glasgow in the 1880s for Catholics and pre that was very much about, you know, Ireland still part of the UK then. And the fight was on in terms of home rule halls, um, Irish home rule, and the likes of John Glass, who were very big in that movement, having the links to Michael Davitt to open their, the second Celtic Park. These were guys still fighting. The sort of second generation were getting more comfortable. And the time they got maybe third, fourth, the centenary year, then we knew our place. We were confident people. We could express ourselves. And I think that sort of conjoins with, not conjoins, comes together with the strip as well. And it's it was a badge of honour. It wasn't something you wore maybe a generation back and it was seen as a an aggression, something to say, well, fuck you, sort of, to the rest of Scotland. It was something to be proud in. It was something to to take forward. I think, like, when you're talking about these different parts and you bring it together and you see somebody that's in London, for instance, that's wearing the Celtic strip, it's out with Glasgow, and you think how the Irish were sort of recognising London at this point in time, all the different issues that were going on in the news and media. Um, and then you, you look at it and people wearing it to a football match uh, that's not a Celtic game. Um, and you this idea of a badge of honour, which you're right, and in, in, in it's almost like people are, are proud of who they are and are unashamedly mm-hmm. uh, willing to be part of society um, and, and be accepted for who they are. Uh, this is a, also a time where... You know, 100 years, and GPU had um, a lot of work to do with the Celtic Graves as well over that time. And what do you, how important in this era was it for Celtic to commemorate that 100 year anniversary? Oh, yeah, it's, it's vitally important. I mean, from a, I mean, my, my speciality was in the original Celtic Park and the hall we were formed. Um, but for me, it's something to go back to your roots because people say, well, we shouldn't have this Irish connection anymore. Well, we bloody should because it was where we came from. doesn't mean we can't encompass everyone else, you know, and get them involved, but it is harking back to our roots. It's harking back to, you know, a Marist brother from Ireland. It's harking back to John Glass from Ireland. Other people like John McLaughlin and the rest, all with Irish roots, these are people who had to... They they just didn't grow up and were, were Irish like today or, you know, maybe second, third generation. These were people who were Irish and had a target on their back. These were people who fought for everything. When clubs were getting formed and going down the Swanee, within years, there was other clubs like Glasgow Hibs, Glasgow Hibernians, which was a split-off from Glasgow Celtic, the content and the malcontenters um, in terms of they wanted the signing policy like another club had um, later on in the day and Hibs had originally. Um, club, clubs came and died to get three parishes together to see there was a community. Thank God, yeah, you celebrate it. You never be ashamed of it. You never let a PLC or shareholders or anything say, make you ashamed of where you come from. So... Definitely. Talking about the, the way in which um, the Irish identity was, was seen over here, in Ireland, in 1988, the Euros are there. Well, the Euros, the team go from the, <laughs> for the Euros, not in, not in Ireland. It wasn't no. the Euros that they forgot about. But you've Pat Bonner, you've got Chris Morris, you've got McCarthy. Mm. How important are those players, or how important is that Irish team in establishing popularity in 
football or soccer in Ireland? Uh, absolutely. I mean, obviously, football in Ireland was always big, but I don't think it really took off until maybe the the early eighties. You know, um, with Brady, uh, Lawrence, and and the likes, you know, world-class footballers, because there was always rugby, there was always the Irish games. Um, you know, it's for me, it, it sort of took over, and, and for me, I, I'm an Irish passport holder, because my, my grandfather's born in Roscommon, um, which no one else comes from. No one else in Ireland has ever been to Roscommon. I don't know if it, well, I do know it exists, because I've been there. But... Um, for me, that island team was an extension of Celtic. Mm-hmm. Um, when you look at the crowd in Germany, West Germany, then it was full of Celtic strips. And the, the crowd. I just think, you know, Ireland was a very different place before the Good Friday Agreement. You know, they still had their claim in Northern Ireland, mm-hmm. which they eventually put aside. I can't remember the article what it was called. Um, but, you know, it still was a fight. There was... It was a very different place... From now on, yeah. do you think nowadays when you have kids take a team and it's almost always a, a, Man- a Manchester United or an Arsenal? Obviously, Liam Brady's a huge influx in Pat Jennings in terms of uh, support there. But how how big a deal do you think it is now? All this time later on, are Celtic fans from that era, from that generation, that you have a lot who who have hooked on in the eighty seven eighty eight season mm. and and really latched onto it and they're as time goes on now, the ones that also will come over. Um, it's a it's a different game, isn't it, altogether from the popularity of English teams then? Yeah, I, I think in Ireland we're more everyone's second team now rather than... There's still areas where we are, people's first team, especially in the north and yep. the six counties. Um, and certain areas, I, I get guys in group chats, lots of guys who, who Celtic are their only team and uh, good on them. But a few stories that... Some people, you know, get the door open, they're wearing Celtic tops and it's immediately, oh, you're a shinner. Mm-hmm. As if, as if it's some sort of um, badge of dishonour. But that, that's only anecdotal evidence, I don't know. Yeah. Um, do you think that then the 87-88 kit, where do you see it ranking in terms of other kits of that time? Oh... I, I don't think there's anything that comes close, Paul. I mean... I think a couple of years before I'd, I'd had Celtic kits and also had a West Brom kit with a no smoking sign on it. And I sort of remember them and I can remember the Aberdeen kit, the bigger squares, the Rangers kit was similar but it had a, it was square rather yeah. than diamond. Um, no, for me, no, you, you can't beat it. The Arsenal kit, Man United kit, Liverpool kit was a nice kit with a the Adidas Ars- the Man U kit was nice, the Arsenal kit was okay. Um but no, nothing comes close to it for me. Who's your when you think of that strip, when you think of Hamden in the Sun and you think of League Wins, who's the player that is in your head wearing that kit right now? The greatest of herself, Roy Aiken. Roy Aiken. My nom de plume on Celtic Wiki when I do my articles, um, on the huddle board, on other various boards it's Roy Aiken. Um Basically because, you know, my dad was a fireman and he came up with the idea of those yellow plastic helmet charity things and Roy Aiken came with his daughter to to open it and this was during the centenary year and his daughter was called Ashley. I was like, oh, I'm in love. 
my crush is an agent. <laughs> well, him as well. So he became my greatest ever sell. And that's from someone who's got John Clark as a family member who won the European Cup. He doesn't even make the top ten. Timo Weir's second. It's a, a, a real... A, mine is Paul McStay. When I think of this one, I, I think Paul McStay running. His hands outstretched. Yeah. Uh, but it's a real special strip for a special time. However has an association with a success that Celtic would not see for some time after. And uh, Hamden's son is overshadowed for a time with the clouds of, of failure uh, for the next six years or so. And it seems as if the, the, the strip has shrunk to fit inferior players. Yeah. Um, it's very bittersweet and it's the last chapter of great Celtic teams, uh, comparable, I think, to any team that had come before. I think that you're right in the points you said that Celtic has a hugely cultural significance that had to be celebrated and the idea of a team being created to feed the poor and hungry um, the diversity that's come through the adversity faced over the years and the, gives us a tremendous sense of pride in Celtic as a result um, the, the idea of changing the Shamrock to the Celtic Cross for those two seasons pulls us back to our early charitable roots as well um, and also the, the representative that Celtic is of the Irish in Scotland and in, the, in Britain and for the reasons that the club was formed. Um, a journey, definitely GP, that uh, changed the status quo of Scotland, mm. uh, I think for the better, made it a much more multicultural and diverse country. Um, any last points on the, on the kit? Any last thoughts to say for Celtic in this strip or this strip? How it appeals well, to you? I, I, just in terms of the general sort of era, there was also... The production Celtic, the Wildcats, uh, done by the Wildcats, sorry, the Celtic history. Um, I think it was in the pavilion. Wait to see that. That was that was bloody brilliant. Ian Anderson? Yeah, Ian Anderson, my City Lights guy. Yeah. I was trying to, can you mind his name? Um, also, my trainers, we went to Blackpool on holiday and they were black trainers with the Celtic uh, cross and badge stitched in. They were also my school shoes. I went, I had about two or three pairs of them. Um, Joe Miller, Billy Stark, Tommy Burns, Tony Shepard, Owen Archdeacon, Lex Bailey, Anton Rogan, just every one of them's just like a hero. Just somebody, you know, even Walker for a spell, Mark McGee, uh, Maka. I mean... Just great times. Uh, I feel like Jimmy Delaney almost crazy. <laughs> best Celtic team ever I played in. Best Celtic team I ever played in. I never played for them, but, uh, but that's how I feel about them. It, it's, it's how the way kits conjure up these emotions, and that's what I want this podcast to be about, not just about historical aspect of it, but the emotions that, that football strips pull in, mm. the way they make you feel, the things they brought back to you, and also the the, the wider context of football kits too. Um, over the next few months, we're going to have looking at... Um, Things such as Sabutio, we're going to look at kits from Italy, we're going to look at teams that have played in, in different top flights in Europe, uh, we've got a football manager, there's so many different aspects we want to touch on as part of this, but this has really been uh, the end, I suppose, of this first episode, this first pod, and it's been a real pleasure chatting to GP, a, a really knowledgeable guy on all aspects Celtic, because they seem to be so vividly put in, into the forefront of your mind mm. uh, and it's been tremendous uh, speaking to you and I really thank you for coming on to the show no um, this has been the state of mind a state of mind sells the jerseys um, if you know the kit story the story of the 1987-88 Celtic centenary top my name is Paul Sheridan the story so far the story continues <laughs> there we go
message and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. Mobile phone companies say they offer their home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network.